This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. We're going to get a lot of listeners that just hurt themselves with all these pins. They're going to run out of pins in this episode. Hello and welcome to Buff the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season six, episode 16 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hell's Bells. As well as Gilmore Girls, Bridesmaids Revisited. Well, 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 well. well. Where to even start? As mentioned at the end of last week, these episodes were both written by our good friend and partner in crime. We don't actually know this woman. We've never met this woman. Rebecca Rand Kirshner. This has happened before. She's written episodes for both shows, but we've had another matchup of hers. Season 5, episode 9 was Listening to Fear. That's the Queller Demon one. And that matched up with Gilmore Girls' Emily Says Hello. She's the one where Emily goes on a date. I think there was almost nothing similar between those two. Well, she fixed that. (laughs) There's no way there wasn't some intentional stuff here. It's just there's so many overlaps and similarities. It's it's insane. I mean, both are about weddings. Yeah, but that's just like, we're not even counting that. Yeah. I bet Amy was like, we need Rebecca to write this one. Rebecca, write a sequel. (laughs) Hell's Bells. (laughs) I mean, maybe some of it we're reading into a bit much, but there's there's a lot. There's a there's lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Also, just some housekeeping news. I don't know how. I'm still sick, so my nose probably sounds weird. Sorry, guys. Well, as we said, we are recording a bunch of these within like two weeks, so it's not like you've been sick for as long as it seems to them. Right. But you did get back-to-back sickies. That's not good. Yeah. I, think I don't know COVID, why I'm like... Willow now. <laughs> I, uh, I think COVID might have lowered my immune system's defenses a bit or something. I don't know. I might be making that up. But had COVID, got over it. About a week later, I got just an annoying bad cold that I'm still dealing with that's just morphing into different symptoms. And I never got either of them. It seems like I'm up to this, but... um, Yeah. Or I'm faking it all for sympathy, I guess. Yeah. Maybe this is because you eat fruits and vegetables and I uh, only eat meat. That's not true. Which brings us to our sponsor, Fruits and Vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys like food? Tryfood.com. I bet that's a real website. That's definitely a real website. It's probably like the fourth website that came out. It's like food.com, sex.com, sleep.com. What's next? Try food at food.com. It's good. We're not actually sponsored by food, but food, if you want to sponsor us, we'll take it. I mean, milk, milk's a fucking website. Yeah. We're still waiting for Chipotle to sponsor us as well. We do have one five-star review all the way from Canada. Ooh. Thank you so much to JRimer56. Thank you. Well, should we dive into these episodes that are basically the same episode? Yeah, I mean, I'm ready to just walk away from this whole thing, honestly. What? I mean, I'd hate to leave you standing there at the podcast, but... (laughs) Spoilies. I don't know. I heard some things. Uh, Let's just do it. This week, we started with Buffy. Stacey, tell us all about Hell's Bells. This episode is about Xander and Anya's wedding. Or not. It's about the wedding day. That they plan to have, that's for sure. Yeah. But some some stuff goes awry, as expected. Guys, I just want to mention before we dive deep in this episode that I love Buffy so much. And 
season six has a pretty good start and a very good end. But I've said this before, I really have some issues with this middle part. And I have to say, it's probably my least favorite season. So there's just like things in here that I don't love. And I know some people love season six, and I don't want to ruin that for you. There's so many good things in this episode, so many deep cuts, some fun character things that I want to celebrate. But there is some stuff that really bothers me that I am going to talk about. But I still love Buffy so much. It's such a great show. Just season six is just such a depressing bag of bad things happening to people we love. Okay, let's dive in. So it starts with Buffy and Willow in Buffy's room. It's like thundering. It seems very ominous. They're like, it's hideous. Look at its arms. They were pretty cropped, but I figured they were talking about their bridesmaids dresses because they've set up that those were maybe going to be bad. And I don't know. They don't usually start the show with like a serious demon. Yeah. And to be fair, though, to the show, like we went into this very much like this is the wedding episode. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah. and not everybody. W- yeah, there's probably ads for it, but not everyone was probably as focused on that as we were. I'm not saying it was bad. I was just saying I called the joke. So they're wearing their bridesmaids dresses. They're kind of a lot. They did grow on me. I don't hate the color. They're like a regular green. And certain parts of it are flattering, but the sleeves are a lot. And the bottom is like very lacy and poofy. But Mm -hmm. I'm confused about the sleeves because Willow and Tara's sleeves are these like kind of layered, like three quarter length poofy sleeves. But Buffy and Dawn have like cute little capped sleeves. Yeah. And I know sometimes brides let the bridesmaids choose like whatever cut they want for the sleeves or the neckline, but I don't know why they wouldn't all go with the cute sleeves. Like, I don't know why Willow wouldn't choose the ones Buffy was wearing. Right. If they had a choice. Also, Halfrek later is wearing like full length poofy sleeves, probably because they didn't want to have to paint her demon hands any further up than they had she's to. She's also not part of the wedding party. So I, I don't know. know why she's wearing a bridesmaid's dress. I know. She like shows up. She never is helping Anya get ready. She sits in the crowd. I don't really understand Halfrek's role as a bridesmaid. Anyway, Buffy and Willow give some exposition about how big of a disaster the rehearsal dinner was last night. Xander and Anya are trying to cover up the fact that Anya's friends are all demons by saying they're circus folk. And Xander's family, as we've learned, is a bunch of alcoholics. His dad threw up in Buffy's purse. Willow says she hasn't seen him this drunk since her bat mitzvah. Let's just remember bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Xander's whole family in this show is insane. Yeah. They're just so terrible. And, like, they've set that up, but, like, it's, like, unbelievably terrible. Yeah. Anya walks in. For a second, it seems like she's going to be disgusted by their dresses, too, but she thinks they look beautiful, and she says this is the happiest day of her whole life. Meanwhile, over at Xander's place, he can't find his cufflinks. Let's remember that. His Uncle Rory's staying with them. He's being a real prankster. Xander's parents show up. They're both being a lot. His family isn't too sure about Anya's bumpy-skinned friend, Croven. His dad just keeps asking, that's one of hers, right? He's got a bunch of other bigoted things to say about him. And then Xander's much older cousin, Carol, wants to know if Croven might be into dating a single mom. You know, once his skin condition clears up. And it turns out cousin Carol has used Xander's cufflinks as earrings. So technically, Carol has stolen Xander's cufflinks. Right. Did she do it intentionally? Did she think they were earrings? Like what? I don't buy her as like a bad person. Really? Because, I mean, I bought his whole family as bad people. Right, but she doesn't really do anything bad. I mean, I think that was bad. What did she think? At the very least, she thought they were someone else's earrings that she put on. Yeah, that's true. Or she got confused and thought they were her earrings. Because she's, like, trying to date interspeciesly. You could be a bad person and not a bigot. (laughs) 
I don't think this makes sense. I think this is a stupid joke. Like, how do cufflinks even work? Can they go through your ears? Do they have backs? Yeah, they do. They, I mean, they're sort of like earrings, but for your sleeves. Oh, okay. I've just never really interacted with cufflinks, but it does seem like a silly mistake. But I didn't think it was played like she stole them intentionally. Because, like, he saw them. <laughs> it's not like she tucked them away to wear later. Well, Xander's got his cufflinks, and he says, Now nothing on earth can stop this wedding now. That's too many nows in one sentence, but also cue someone who's probably not from Earth, an old man with an umbrella who's teleported into the streets of Sunnydale, likely on his way to mesh it up at the wedding. It's never a good sign when an old man teleports in. No. It's never going to be good. It is pouring rain this whole episode, by the way. That also can't be good. At the venue, which, by the way, is the Sunnydale Bison's Lodge, which I'm guessing is like an Elks Club type thing. Just put a teeny tiny pin in Bison Lodge. Yeah. I assume it's there so that, like, demons and stuff have no issue with, like, crosses and stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I was like, what? why this venue? In my head, I'm like, maybe Xander's dad belongs to this club or something. Because it, it seems like Xander's parents are paying for everything. His dad keeps saying that. Right. But I thought Anya was, like, paying for stuff, too, because she makes comments about, like, spending too much money. That's a good point, though. It's interesting that it wouldn't be at a church. Well, only one vampire we're totally aware of attends, but there's all kinds of demons with all kinds of different rules and stuff, and maybe a church would be ideal for them. Yeah, it just seemed like not a very pretty venue. Xander has enlisted Buffy's super strength to help fasten his cummerbund. Even she's like, I don't know if this is going to happen. <laughs> Shouldn't have eaten all those chips. Buffy tells Xander he looks great, that he's glowing. Remember that. Buffy's getting emotional. She's very happy for Xander because Xander and Anya give her hope for her shitty love life. Their beautiful love. <laughs> but wait, isn't Willow supposed to be the best man? Why isn't she helping Xander? Because she's having lesbian time with Tara. <laughs> what is lesbian time? Exactly. Now, you guys uh, listening probably <laughs> rolled your eyes and I would agree with you. But like this scene is weird. They're like giggling for no reason. Yeah, she can't help Xander because she is too busy giggling with Tara about Anya's buttons. It just seemed like, what are you giggling about right now? This seems like someone was like, and the girls are flirty, the giggle. I don't know what the girls do. Yeah, they're helping fasten Anya's dress while she goes over her vows, which are mostly nice, but very Anya in places. She says stuff like, I'll love you, but not obey you. That's misogynistic. And she's going to take care of his heart like he's a little mangy stray. So they're sort of like giggling at those parts of the vows, but they're also like not giving her notes. Maybe they don't want to correct her. Yeah. But it's weird to like literally laugh about it. Right. like Behind her, her back? Well, yeah, it's behind her back, I guess, technically. But yeah, like, if, if you're not going to tell her how to fix... Like, considering people will laugh at her when she does these... Right. It's like you said, Joss just thinks Willow and Tara are being flirty and was like, I don't know, girls giggle when they flirt. I've never seen it, but that's what I hear. I know a woman wrote this episode, but they probably had a lovely conversation written that Joss just crossed out and wrote giggle on top of it. I don't know, it, it felt like they wanted them to be flirty, but like didn't feel like really coming up with something. I don't know. It just felt weird that they were laughing at Anya, but not yeah. telling her why. Anya's very excited. I like her dress. I think it fits her well. I like yeah. the texture. The guests are arriving. The evil demons and also Anya's friends. Because <laughs> Xander's family sucks. <laughs> this whole first half of the show, we're just establishing that there's a lot of funny looking yet nice demons here. And Xander's family is terrible and has some strong opinions about these friends of Anya's. Also, they have fucked up ideas about women. Yeah. Because you see, Xander's uncle Rory has kidnapped a caterer. Oh my god, man, this is awful. That he's claiming agreed to be his date. 
He's like, no woman of mine is going to work. All you need to do is sit pretty and laugh when I tell a good one. Ugh. Uncle and he, she's all like, I got to get back to work. And he's like not letting her and like touching her a ton. It's fucking gross. He's also explaining all of this to Dawn for some reason. Yeah. And then he points out this taxidermied head that's wearing a veil. And he tells the caterer that he used to stuff things. It still does, but only for fun. Wink, wink. So um, I was doing some IMDb trivia reading that I probably shouldn't be doing, but I didn't get any spoilers. Xander says in the Dark Age episode that his uncle is a taxidermist. Okay, nice callback. Buddy. I don't remember that at all, but that's, that's fun. So yeah, I know they're trying to tell us that Xander's family's awful, but there's got to be other ways besides kidnapping a young woman. It's just so uncomfortable. And like they play it like, oh, this guy's kind of gross. But it's like, no, actually he's like super gross. I wonder if it wasn't as gross back then. That's what I think. I think it was still supposed to be gross, but like now it comes off like really like, oh, I like hate you, man. Yeah. It's not just that like I don't like you, like I hate you. Jehoffrin shows up. He's brought like a little lizard as a gift in a box with holes in it. It's got tentacles. <laughs> Which we later find out escapes. Oh, is Dawn like hosting the wedding? Because Dawn like hands her the box of creature. Yeah. Also, Halfrek shows up. She's trying to get Dawn to make another wish again. I don't understand how Halfrek's still invited to this wedding. She yeah. just cursed Anya and all her friends. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she got demoted after that and she just showed up in the dress. Yeah, <laughs> That's maybe. That's why she's not in the back. That's a good explanation because I don't understand how they let her back. Dawn's also not in the back. I mean, I guess she's hosting the wedding. Spike walks in, all handsy with a date whose name we never get. He just always refers to her as his date as often as he can. Reminds me of that Gilmore episode where Kirk keeps telling everybody he has a girlfriend. Yeah. She's maybe a vampire? They don't really say. I don't think so. She might be a human. She's just like a sort of pale, modern Drew type. Yeah, I think she was just some like goth girl. I don't think she's a vampire. I think Buffy would kill her if she was a vampire. Yeah, maybe. This seems like a demon safe haven. And some of these demons that are there might be evil. Like, Helfrick's kind of evil. So Clem is there, and Clem, he and this baby. hot... What? I just said Clem, baby, because he's cool. He and this hot guy with tentacles are trying to explain their circus heritage to Xander's cousin and uncle. This is all kind of dumb. Yeah. Why would they go along with this ruse? Like, why yeah. do we need to hide this from Xander's family? It's got to be obvious to everyone in Sunnydale that demons exist at this point. Right. Like, I get why we maybe hit it, like, in season one, but so much has happened. There's a lot of things here that, like, I want to talk about. Like, Anya's, like, old demon pals. Like, if they're evil, like, Buffy should kill them. And you'd think that Anya would be like, okay, like, maybe I have a special place in my heart for Dahafrin because he, like, made me who I am. But, like, I realize now that these other demons probably would kill me as a human and do bad things to me as a human. Right. And as a human, maybe I realize that some of these demons did bad fucking things. It also bothers me that the demons can't just, why would they not just take a human form? I mean, can they? Can all of them? Vampires can. Well, all of de Hoffren's people can. Oh, you're right. So at least those people can turn human. There seems to be like one of each, though. I don't, like, some of these demons are never explained what they are. Right. But there's like this weird thing where they like, they're not too proud to say that they're like circus folks and be like berated for being circus folks. But they're too proud to take human form. I don't know. It was sort of like, I'm just sort of confused by what's going on here. I feel like the show could have done better by saying there was a spell that like Terra cast so that like people didn't question the fact that they were demons or they were okay with demons. It's just insane to me that like, like, oh yeah, they're still circus freaks. That's all. Don't worry about it. 
But also, like, the demons are talking about their ways. Like, they all have the same ways. Like, these are all different types of demons. Yeah, totally. Uh, I know we're dissecting it so much, and it there's, there's a way to watch this where you just, like, don't care. You're just like, oh, yeah, it's funny because it's demons and they're different. But, like, it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. So, like, if you think about it for more than two seconds, which we're doing, it's sort of frustrating. Yeah, I just, I don't buy that the demons would, like, go along with this. I mean, I guess it's their friend's wedding day. There's more humans there than there are, like, any one particular demon there. But there there must have been a meeting for all the demons to be like, here's the deal. This is what a circus is. You're going to pretend to be circus people. (laughs) So Xander's ready to head out to the ceremony. Buffy tells him he's one of the decent ones, and she hopes she's as lucky as him and Anya one day. Oh, my God. To which he replies... You want to get lucky? I still got 15, 20 minutes. What, what? the fuck, man? She just said he was one of the decent ones. I guess it's been a couple seasons since he told her he wants to fuck her. He just had to get one more of those in before he gets married. It's so gross. Xander's relationship with his female friends is so gross. Do you think this is just to remind us that he is a little bit shitty, like his family deep down? Maybe. Maybe. Since that's kind of where this goes. But, like, he's done this before where, like, he casually mentions wanting to fuck Buffy. Like, a little bit of a joke. And I feel like, as a woman, I'd be like, that's, okay, it's uncomfortable that you keep making that joke, Xander. But Buffy responds by giving him a genuine hug. Like, he just said something super sweet. I, did, I know, what? If you were single, it'd be an eye-rolly joke, but whatever. But it's your wedding day? Like, what is this joke? Yeah. It's gross, man. Xander's reminding Buffy to keep his family away from the bar too late. When Dawn runs up to tell Buffy that Spike is here, he brought a date, and he was shoving his tongue down her throat. Put a little tiny pin in tongue. You don't want to hurt your tongue. Just a little bitty pin. Yeah, we're going to come back to that too. Xander heads out to greet the people. Everyone's congratulating him slash coming up to him with various problems, including the old umbrella man who appeared at the beginning of the episode. He pulls Xander aside and tells him he's making a huge mistake if he gets married today. And he knows this because he is Xander from the future. Xander poo-poos this at first, but... Come on, we know different dimensions exist. It's not crazy that this could be you from the future. Yeah, totally. Have they done time travel? I don't remember. Warren did that thing to Buffy where she was like out of time. But I don't know if they've done straight up like, here's an older, younger version of you. Yeah, I'm trying to think if they've done time travel. No, they've done like time repeats and time resets on Angel. But I don't think they've done time travel. But Xander doesn't believe him. Luckily, dudes brought a little glowing purple sphere with him that he says will prove it. So they go into a private room to take a look-see. Xander sort of gets sucked into the sphere and has a series of visions about his married life with Anya. They've got two kids, one with pointy ears. Xander's drinking a lot. Anya seems to resent him for not working. And he's not working because he hurt his back fighting at Buffy's side. It sounds like Buffy maybe dies in this future. Yeah, she's dead. When his kids grow up, they hate him. We find out the girl probably has pointy ears because Anya cheated on Xander. Sounds like after Buffy died, Xander stopped having sex with her, which is why she cheated on him. And Anya says maybe Xander was born to be a bitter, angry old man. And if they hadn't gotten married, she wouldn't have had to hate herself for the last 30 years. He snaps back to the present. He's like, is she okay? What did I do? I think he means Buffy. No, no, no. He means Anya because he just hit her with a pan in the fucking head. Oh, sure. Yeah. I wonder, though, if he could have met Buffy. Uh, I don't think so. We never really dive into the fact that in this future, it's true that Buffy dies and that, like, fucks up his whole life. I wondered if there was, like, some deeper meaning there because of the way he's acting with Buffy in the beginning of this episode. 
Right. So like he's still in love with Buffy in some way. Yeah. And he like screws up his marriage fighting with his friend who dies. Uh, you're probably right that it's the pan, but I rewatching it, I was like, does he mean Buffy? Anyway, the old man's like, I got to go. The magic's going to wear off. But again, please do not marry Anya. You'll hurt her less today than you will over time if you marry her and live this future. By the way, while this is happening, Xander's dad is giving just an awful drunken toast about how good his shitty family looks next to this messed up crew that Anya brought. God, I hate this guy. It's funny because there's dialogue with Xander and the old man, but I had the captions on the second time I watched it, and you can like see some of the stuff Xander's dad is saying that you probably didn't really hear the first time because you're paying attention mm. to Xander. He's saying how if it weren't for his beautiful wife, he probably wouldn't drink so much. If it weren't for the old ball and chain holding him back, he'd probably have all kinds of STDs. Anya's friends have had about enough of this, and Buffy interrupts right as they're about to get into a fight. His dad immediately hits on Buffy. He was just talking about how he doesn't cheat on his wife, but he loudly asks if Buffy wants to go to a room where he's going to whip out his dick for her. Yeah, (laughs) what the fuck is just... Maybe that's not cheating. He also mentions that Buffy's handbag looks familiar. Yeah. Because he threw up in it the night before. He's like, did you used to own a little pink purse? Yeah. Buffy notices Spike standing by himself and walks up to say hi. This scene is so goddamn cute. She lets him know that his date is making her jealous, which is obviously what he wanted. And then he genuinely is like, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, good. (laughs) He asks her if she wants him to leave. She's like, no, you have every right to be here. Does he? (laughs) Was he invited? Yeah, Xander doesn't like him. No way he got an invitation in the mail. Yeah, they're not friends. They made that clear. I do think what you said is true, that for me, the most important and most touching part is his involuntary but very sincere, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You said that, but like it's, it, James Marshall plays it really well. Like It's just almost like he couldn't help but say sorry. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry. But yeah, then like changes, like, yeah, it's what I wanted to do. It's the dynamic of Spike too, right? He is evil, but he's got these feelings that aren't evil, and he like wrestles with that. He's like, yeah, maybe we'll just go. She's like, where, your place? He's like, yeah, I, I guess that's probably was the plan. You know, I am evil. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, she's like, totally, totally. I get that. But he tells her it's nice to watch her be happy and that she's glowing right now. She tells him that's because the dress is radioactive and they have a laugh. And before he goes, he double checks with her one more time that bringing a date does indeed hurt. She's like, yep. Because he wants to feel important to Buffy. Yeah. And knowing that it hurts her at least makes it feel like, okay, so maybe what we had wasn't just nothing. He says thanks, and after he walks away, she wistfully says, you're welcome. He drags his date out of there in a very spike-dating harmony fashion. Yeah. I love this scene so much. Like, you can tell he doesn't want to hurt her, but is, like, respecting her wishes because she told him that's what she wanted in the last episode, like, that she didn't want to be with him. So he's towing this fine line of, like, trying to make her jealous, but, like, feeling bad for hurting her. Like, he wants to be with her, but he's like, I'll bring a date that'll make her feel bad because I'm evil, but, like, also will prove my point that she wants to be with me. I don't know. It's just, like, so much happening here, and they both play the scene really well. Best part of the episode. Yeah. Highlight of the season, probably. Wow. Didn't you like it? Not that much. I have issues with the Spike-Buffy relationship that we can talk about at a later date, but if you're shipping them, it's it's amazing. But I the season, sure. I feel like I do ship them. But I I haven't been happy with how they've been. So, like, this was actually them being, like, cute. 
the show's trying to walk this tightrope of we want Buffy and Spike to be together because it's like a very like strong love from James Marsters. He plays it really well. It's like a forbidden love because he's evil. But also the show's like, yeah, okay, we're going to do some of that. But also he is evil, so it's toxic. It's not a good relationship. And we're stuck in this weird place. Like, are we rooting for them? Are we not? Because the show is implying you should root for them. But like you shouldn't because it's toxic and fucked up. It's complicated. Yeah. Like with Angel, you rooted for them despite the odds. Like their star-crossed lover status wasn't because Angel was evil or a bad person or because it was toxic. It was just like the circumstances made it impossible, which is like, oh, we can root for this then. They're the underdogs. Here it's like the circumstances are like part of who they are, specifically Spike. Anyway, there's more I can't talk about. Let's just move on. Okay. I know that there's just more at some point we will talk about, but I can't yet. Also, Angel's an old man and Buffy was a teenager. At least Buffy's an adult now. Yeah, now that it's been three years later. <laughs> it's six years later. Well, I guess from when they broke up. Angel was like creeping on her when she was a 15-year-old. A 90-year-old is the same difference for him. <laughs> That's true. It's like he was creeping on this super young 90-year-old woman. <laughs> he was like three times her age. When people are like... Oh, it's so gross that Angel was, like, dating a six-year-old. Yeah, but, like, Angel and Spike also, like, ate babies. So, like, I don't know. Where do you want to draw the line on what's gross? I mean, we were those people that didn't like that he was into a 16-year-old. Listen, anyone that picks apart this show is an asshole, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Anybody who picks it apart is an asshole. So Xander's pacing in the kitchen. His best man finally shows up. I don't like the way he's pacing. I'm kidding. (laughs) Obviously, he's going through some shit right now, but Willow's very sweetly happy for him. We were talking about why Buffy was helping him get ready and not her, and the show justifies it by saying that Willow was trying to spend some time with Tara, which is also barely a thing, honestly. As much as they hit on it in the previously on, I was expecting way more to happen between them. But I was like, yeah, maybe Willow shouldn't be alone to Xander when he's putting on a tux. They had a whole cheating arc last time that happened. But then Willow makes that joke. Yeah. It's a good thing I realized I was gay. Otherwise, you, me, formal wear, remember? When Cordelia almost got rebarred to death. <laughs> I love that. This moment. Okay, I've shit on this episode a bunch. And I'm sorry, Buffy fans. I'm sorry. I love season seven of Buffy. And I know I've been shitting. But this, this is just a really hard season for me. But I love these callbacks. I love this scene with her and Xander. I just love their dynamic in their relationship. And I love that callback to a specific reference to season three. Because that's like essentially a storyline we just threw away forever. I really like that a lot. In fact, this episode, as much as I have issues with it, has a lot of really good callbacks. But Xander and Willow hug. They say how much they love each other. It's nice. But I'm also like, tell her, Xander. Talk to someone about this. Yeah. Work out if this is real. Like, this guy could be messing with you. But he doesn't. Anya's still working on her vows. Tara doesn't have anyone to giggle with now, so she's given Anya some harsh notes. The music starts playing. It's time to go. But Willow comes in and informs Buffy that Xander is no longer in the building. Dramatic music. Yeah, like cheap fucking stock music. (laughs) He's like every episode. Willow says she's going to go find him. Buffy's in charge of stalling the wedding. She tells Anya that the minister had to go perform an emergency C-section because he's half minister, half doctor. You know, a minotaur. Not to be confused with a minotaur. Now, I want you to just shove the biggest pin that you can find in minotaur. 
We're going to get a lot of listeners that just hurt themselves with all these pins. They're going to run out of pins in this episode. But just really shove that pin in Minotaur. Yeah. And don't put it in too deep because we are going to rip it out. But it's, it's a big <laughs> pin. Don't kill the Minotaur. <laughs> While Buffy's delivering this news, by the way, Tara gets up off the couch to stand in Buffy's shot for no reason. <laughs> It's not like she thought that Buffy coming in means it's time to go out because Buffy comes in and says, there's going to be a delay. <laughs> and then Tara just like hits this very specific mark to like listen to Buffy with her back to her yeah. facing the, I don't know, just like she would stay on the couch where she was. And it was just one of those like awkwardly filmed moments. Mm -hmm. So Anya takes this delay to work on her vows one more time. And this time they're just straight up sweet about how Xander gave her a whole new perspective and helped her understand what love is. But this is all said over footage of Xander walking around outside in the rain, thinking about stuff. The guests are getting restless. Cousin Carol's daughter's bored. Her mom says, it's a wedding, honey. We're all bored. But Croven is making eyes at her across the aisle. Buffy comes out to tell the miniature that things are on hold. There's this funny ongoing bit where the string quartet starts playing Here Comes the Bride anytime anyone walks down the aisle. Yeah, yeah. And Mendelssohn's wedding march anytime someone walks back up the aisle. She starts doing crowd work. She plays charades. She juggles. Apparently, Sarah Michelle Gellar can juggle. So can Croven. You said that you didn't like this part. I, th I thought this was cute and funny. I don't know. It just felt silly. I didn't hate it, rewatching it. Like, her playing charades with a room full of demons is just, like, so yeah. stupid. Like, doing crowd work. I just think Sarah Michelle Gellar plays it so earnestly. I really liked it. Xander's dad is getting even more drunk, growing even more resentful of Anya. How is he alive? I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just poured so many drinks down his gullet. I don't know how he's standing. Yeah, he doesn't seem drunk. He just seems angry and loud. Yeah. He's not like slurry. Anya's pissed that the minister would deliver a baby on her wedding day and decides they're going to do the wedding without him. Some teen demon is hitting on Dawn outside. He's pretty hot. Yeah, I guess. They're heading back inside when she mentions to him that no one can find the groom. But Anya's walking by at this moment, overhears this. She's understandably freaking out. What do you mean Xander's missing? Everyone overhears this. Uncle Rory's like, Xander's playing a joke. And starts telling a story about a time where he wore an ape suit at one of Carol's weddings. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. And then the crowd starts turning on each other. Hard. Hot tentacle demon gets all up in Xander's dad's face. It lays his sea creature hands on him. This is so funny to me. It's like a good looking actor that they've that given, they like, just like glued some shit to his yeah, face. Like I feel like his makeup is cheap as shit. He's just got like a few facial prosthetics on and these real stupid lobster hands. Yeah, <laughs> but he's trying to have like an intense, serious confrontation. I just imagine it was hard to do without laughing. Yeah. Because his dad tells him not to touch him with those nasty circus things. But he, like, hits him again with his hand. Yeah, it's funny. So they get into a physical confrontation, and then everyone just starts hitting each other. Men, women, demons, humans, just everyone's going at it. Bubby just stands there watching this for, like, a while. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually politely asking them to break it up over the mic. Willow rescues Tara from the chaos. They hide behind some flowers, you know, just next to the giant ball. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'll save you. Like, you went three feet and there's nothing. Flowers are not going to protect <laughs> you. Know? You need to, like, leave the room. Yeah. Also, I thought Willow was supposed to be looking for Xander. What is she doing here? <laughs> Every time she's supposed to be watching Xander, she's watching Tara instead. She's really making Xander's day about her. <laughs> Anya is looking for Xander. 
Cousin Carol tells Anya that she saw him talking to that old man over there earlier. You know, the old man who said he couldn't stay because the magic was wearing off. And now he's yeah. gleefully watching all these people fight like he's in a baseball game. <laughs> so Anya's like, hey, buddy, um, what's your deal? What did you say to Xander exactly? Turns out this dude is philanderer Stuart Burns from 1914. He tells her this after he shapeshifts into a big, tall, scaly demon that sounds just like the troll from Triangle. Yeah. I tried to look it up, but IMDb didn't have a voice actor listed. Hmm. But the way he says Anyanka is like exactly the same. Yeah. There's some people having a discussion about the facade of our building outside the window. I'm sorry if you can hear them. She punished him for his philandering by making him look like this and having him tortured in another dimension. And it's been his life goal to find a way to someday ruin her life. They don't ever really say how he was able to escape the torture and shapeshift into an old man, but he figured it out. He tells her it didn't take much to scare Xander off. He just showed him a couple of phony visions of a nightmare version of their future. She says, that's it? That's all you did? Is she bummed that that's all it took to scare him off? Yeah, I definitely think so. That's how I read it the first time, but then she seems completely understanding later on, like doesn't bring this up. So I was like, is she maybe like happy that he didn't do more to Xander? Is there like another way to read that? I mean, you could argue that like she's afraid Xander because he's missing, like is in a hell dimension or dead. Yeah. She seems sad because he's like, you're crying. I love it more. He's so happy that she's sad. And he slaps her a bunch of times. Finally, Buffy decides to do something and comes over to attack this guy. Xander has come back. Anya tells him that all of it was lies. This guy was just trying to break them up. Buffy pops through their conversation to grab the veil from the taxidermy thing, and she chokes the demon with it. But Xander finally finishes him off by bludgeoning him with this, like, column thing. Yeah. Will asks if anyone's waiting for the demon to go poof, which I also read was a callback to the episode where Anya first appears. Yeah. When they're, like, having the picnic and they fight that demon. Everyone claps and cheers, but very quickly Xander's dad becomes upset about the damage. He's not paying for this damage, you freaks. They don't like being called freaks, so everyone starts fighting again. Anya's like, everyone just chill. I'm going to go talk to Xander. Then the wedding's back on. So she and Xander talk. Xander understands that the visions were fake, but he tells her that he's not ready to get married. He says, like, they could be real. Not like they are real, but, like, it's a very plausible future as far as he's concerned. Yes. He sees his family, how his dad treats his mom, and is worried that it's inevitable that he's going to become this person. That he's had these fears, like, before this day even, which they've kind of told us. It, it seemed like he was more afraid of, like, being inadequate and marrying a demon than, like, worrying he was going to become his dad. Yeah. That's what the musical episode told us. But it boils down to the fact that he doesn't want to hurt Anya. And it seems like he's really taking to heart what the guy said about hurting her today will be better than, like, giving her a lifetime of hurt. Right. She obviously is hurt. She's trying to talk him out of it, but he's made his decision and she can't. So she walks back into the ceremony area. He leaves. String quartet starts playing and she sadly walks down the aisle. Tears in her eyes, blood on her arm. I'm not sure why she walks down the aisle. I would just like run to the dressing room. Yeah, I don't know. Later at home, Buffy, Willow, and Dawn are talking this over over tea. They're all confused and heartbroken for Anya. Buffy's got no relationship goals anymore. They're not mad at Xander. They hope he's okay. But then we see Xander checking into a shitty motel where a man is personally leading him to a room. I've <laughs> <laughs> never been in a hotel nice enough where someone leads me to my room, but I've been at plenty of normal to shitty motels where they maybe point to your room on a map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like the shittiest hotel imaginable. And this guy's like, I'll be your personal servant. Uh. 
<laughs> like, there's probably four rooms at this place. Whatever. But it ends with Anya in a black void seeking comfort from her old boss, the Hoffren. He's like, I'm sorry you're sad, but that's what you get for letting a man domesticate you. When you were at the top of your game as a vengeance demon, you crushed men like him. Don't you think it's time you got back to what you do best? And uh, she's thinking about it. Yeah. That's it. I really thought it was going to be a happy ending. That Xander would like come to his senses and come back and we'd see a beautiful wedding. No, season six is like, how do we make it worse for everyone? One episode at a time. <laughs> Just because it's... their vows were like shaky. So I was like, oh, we're going to see their vows go great. And I guess we do see Anya's go great over Xander being sad. But at some point when I saw how bad things were getting with the families, I was yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know how we like have a nice wedding after this. Unless they do like a Marshall and Lily, how I met your mother wedding, where they mm -hmm. have like a nice little private ceremony with just the friends separately. Right. But yeah, do you think this is a good episode? I'm torn. Oh. Here's what I want to say. There's a lot in this episode that is cool. I love the callbacks that we get, like the really deep cuts, like the fact that his uncle is a taxidermist. The reference to season three, the nice outfits making Willow and Xander like fall for each other uncontrollably. I like all that. But there's also just like so many little things in it that are it just really bother me. And it's hard for me to like it because of that. Xander leaving Anya at the end is sort of just like it's like season six is so depressing already. And we're just going to be like, and it's worse. It's just like, give us a break. Can we just have like one win? Can Joffrey die, please? You know what I mean? Can we just have like one win for the good guys? Right. On top of that, there's some like weird ethical stuff in this episode that like on a casual viewing, who cares? Whatever. But like if you think about it enough, it's, it's problematic. This guy that comes in that ruins the wedding, right? What he did is bad. He also hits Anya. That's bad, right? And we kill him. He's a villain. Oh, my God. But like, let's think about this. He was a philanderer. That's bad. You should be punished for that. But, like, should you be turned into a demon and sent to a hell dimension where you're tortured for eternity? Probably not. That seems, like, bad. Like, the punishment does not fit the crime at all. And, like, it makes sense that he wants to get Anya for this. And I feel like the show could have done that in a way that lets us know, like, yeah, Anya, you're, like, kind of reaping what you sowed. Like, you're getting payback for what you did. But I feel like the show was all like, nah, this guy's bad. Does he also want to get the woman that summoned Anya? Well, I assume that woman's dead at this point. Sure. Like, Anya did some horrible things that were not fair, like what she did to this guy. They would treat him like this big villain, like, but like, I don't know, like his revenge lust seems like logical to me. Yeah, while you're being tortured forever in a demon dimension, you're probably thinking about how you want to fucking get back at the person that did this to you. And like him ruining her wedding is like, yeah, that's mean. Is it as mean as being tortured forever? I mean, the the big thing is he starts hitting her, which is like when you watch a woman getting hit by like a giant demon, it obviously seems awful. And it is. But like she did much worse to him. And I, I feel like we never really address the fact that Anya is evil. Like as a human, she's like trying not to be evil. But she did horrendous things that were just like, yeah, we forgive her because she's super fucking hot and cute and funny. Sure. She's done Far worse than Spike has done, I, or at least equal to what Spike's done. And we're just like, it's fine. Same with, like, DeHoffrin and his, like, cadre of people. That we're just, oh, it's fine. It's because it's funny. And, like, Xander leaves her at the wedding. He's a villain for that. But, like, hmm, leaving her at the wedding is not nearly as bad as anything she did as a demon. So, anyway, that really bothered me a lot. And Xander's making a joke about having sex with Buffy and stuff bothered me quite a bit. So, I have to say, I don't love this episode. It leaves me sad. 
It leaves me upset because of the weird ethical things we have to deal with. The spike scene is nice. Yeah, it, that's what I said. That's a highlight of the episode. But it, it is a real bummer that like they can't just be happy. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, some people probably love this episode. <sighs> season six, it does get better. The last part of season six gets a lot better. But this is still in that section I, I did not like. I thought that Anya played that final breakup scene pretty well. Yeah. But I don't know that Nicholas Brandon did. Mm-hmm. Some lines were fine, but I don't know. I just feel like I wasn't getting the emotion from him that that conversation needed. Right, right. I don't know that I really formed an opinion on him as an actor in general. He doesn't generally have to do much dramatically. Right. But I, I don't know. I feel like that needed to be a bit more emotional. I also feel like there just isn't much chemistry anymore between Buffy and Xander friendship-wise. Whenever she's like, Xander, I love you, my friend, it just seems like these are the lines I'm supposed to say. Mm, sure. I do believe him and Willow. I believe their friendship. I feel like they have chemistry. But the Buffy one, it just to me, it just seems like, yeah, these are the lines. Did I like it? Nobody asked. Um. <laughs> Did you like it? I think I liked it more rewatching it. But there's a lot that's not pleasant. Xander's family is just so much. And the whole lying about the demons, circus people, heritage is nonsensical. And yeah. yeah, it's just it was sort of a bummer that they, I, I thought they would get married. And maybe they will. I didn't think they'd get hitched without a hitch. Right. But I thought it would end up with them getting married. So do you think, here's the big $100 million question. Do you think Xander was wrong? Or how do you feel about Xander leaving Anya at the altar? We have that line with Buffy and Willow where they're like, I feel like I should be mad at Xander, but I'm just worried about him. But like Xander left his fiance at the altar because he's worried about the man he might become being a bad husband or a bad dad. This is a human understandable thing. But like leaving your fiance at the altar for any reason, is pretty awful. How do you feel about it? Because I think the show is trying to be like, oh, maybe he made a mistake, but maybe it's for the right reasons. What do you think? Um, I think it's not great because he was having these doubts. He should have thought them out before the wedding. Yeah. He should have not taken it that far because he was having doubts about getting engaged to her, even though he proposed. Totally. I, I do think if he truly is worried about hurting her in the long run, it probably is true that it's better to just break it off now than to like put her through a lifetime of suffering. But it's it's shitty that he didn't think about it sooner. Also, like avoid that future then. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Talk to your friends and your fiance about your concerns and they'll maybe help you avoid that future. You don't drink too much now. Yeah, I just kind of don't buy it. It's possible that Buffy's death is what launches him into drinking, but like he already doesn't seem like his dad, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think leaving her at the altar is, just, is pretty shitty. And the show, I think, tries to tell us, like, well, it's understandable, but it's like not. If it had been like, yeah, I'm afraid a demon's going to kill me, that's one thing. But it's all like, oh, I'm just not sure I'm going to be a great husband. Like, she's happy with you now. It also seems like he's like leaving her, leaving her, not just like maybe we shouldn't get married yet. He's just like, I will hurt you. We shouldn't be together. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I hate the whole thing. I feel like the justification for him leaving is not good other than, like, Xander's kind of shitty and doesn't know what he wants and, like, is afraid of him being a bad person. Like, what? It almost sounds like an excuse you'd come up with to justify why you're leaving your wife. So it just, it really makes Xander's character just seem like a piece of shit. Yeah, I don't know that there's really any way to spin it that he's a hero here other than right. he's trying to keep from hurting her more. But It's just such a downer for his character. That we're like, this is like his redemption arc. Like, Xander's done a bunch of bad things, but mm -hmm. like, he's made this work. We can love him for this. And it's like, nah, he fucked that up too. Bad. Yeah. Anyway, I also, real quick, Anya doesn't have any remorse for what she did. 
She seems to feel like everything she did was justified. Sure. But like her wishes are never like perfect, you know, like this guy's cheating on me. Like, what if he can't get an erection? Okay, that sort of fits the crime a little, you know. But they're like, what if Buffy never came to Sunnydale? Like, that's is that justice? Like that whole episode, The Wish. Is, does anyone think that that's justice? Because Anya wanted that to be reality, to fulfill a wish. That was a bad thing we had to reverse. Like every one of her wishes is like that. Why did Cordelia want Buffy gone? Because that's what ruined her life, made her a loser, fall for Xander. Oh, right. That was just like the root of all of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Should we maybe move on? Yes. Again, guys, I love Buffy so much. Just season six is such a bummer for me. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, season six, episode 16. The courtship of Wyatt's father. A dark lighter accidentally sends Leo and Piper to another plane of existence. Okay. The title's longer than the summary. Yeah. This is a very small description of stuff that happens, and the title is, it's not clear how it ties in to the episode. I think it is, because Wyatt's father is Leo. Mm -hmm. And, well, I don't know what this dark lighter's intention was, but I bet Leo and Piper go to this other plane of existence and sort of like relive the early stages of their relationship and work things out while they're there. I mean, dark lighters, as we know, are nice, funny people, but they suck all the lights out of a room and make everyone bummed. As we all know. So they're like, you know, at a party with a dark lighter, like you do. Full of dark lighters. So many dark lighters. But this one dark lighter's new, so he's worse than most. And, you know, really made everyone bummed. So bummed they ended up in a different plane of existence. In this other plane of existence, Piper's a dog and Leo's a human. It's fucking weird, man. Yeah, so they're, they're sort of like reliving their courtship, but it, they're in opposite types of bodies. Yeah, and it's nice because they kind of learn about each other this way. Like, oh, this is why you like your balls. Right. Piper's got balls. <laughs> she's licking her under part. Her under part. Yeah, and she's like, I get it. This is why you sniff butts. I understand now. And he's all like, oh, this is why all those things gross you out. I get it. So it's a lot of like frolicking in fields, but Leo's a human. Piper's a dog. It's beautiful. They rekindle their love and they're like, okay, we're ready to go back to our regular plane of existence. And that's a whole thing because the dark lighter's just like bumbling around trying to figure out where he went wrong. Yeah. He like sneezes and they, they're back in their regular bodies. They're snuggling. Piper's petting him where he likes it. She's like, I know this feels good. <laughs> and then they're going to be together now and it's great. Yeah. This has been... A short one. Yeah, it's a real short one. A very short. Meanwhile, Uncharted. Guys, we are deep into the comfy, cozy time of year, and I've recently discovered a way to make being cozy even comfier with loungewear, underwear, and bralettes from Parade. I can attest. Stacy's been comfy, cozy, and looking pretty sexy. Brian? What? Thank you. You're welcome. Parade is a woman-owned brand prioritizing inclusivity, sustainability, affordability, and style with products in a variety of colors, styles, and fabrics with sizes ranging from extra small to 3XL. I tried Parade's Seamless Universal Invisible Sculpt Hip Hugger Underwear. And their Smooth Lift Triangle Bralette. Yes, your favorite. Both have super smooth, soft fabric that hugs and supports me in all the right places without any uncomfortable wires or constricting elastic. And what about those pants? You mean the Easy Lounge Wide Leg Pants? Yes. Super lightweight, comfy pants, perfect for working from home or lounging while we watch our favorite shows. 
And they've got pockets. Not only are Parade's products comfortable and soft, but they're also planet-friendly as Parade strives to make all of their products from reclaimed, recycled, or renewable materials. And Parade donates 1% of each sale to whichever of their selected nonprofit organizations you choose. And for a limited time, take advantage of Parade's holiday sale using our promo code BUFFYSALE at checkout to take 35% off all orders. So if you're looking to make your winter comfier, cozier, and maybe a little sexier, Click the link in our episode description or social media bio to browse Parade's website and find the right products for your body and style. Dress and feel your best with Parade. So then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, what happened on Bridesmaids Revisited? Uh, well, this one is also about a wedding. Hmm. This episode is about Chris and Lorelai reconnecting. It's also about Rory and Logan's relationship and some revelations. And also some stuff with Zach. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. We gotta start with this. Okay, we gotta start with this. So funny, unintentionally so. You gotta watch this scene. The episode starts with Lorelai entering Luke's diner and then just shutting the door completely on this poor older couple that's right behind her. <laughs> There's no way she wouldn't have seen that they were There's coming no in. way. They're like breathing on her neck. They're so close to her. She just closes it right on them and then they have to open it. And it's not played to be funny. It's clearly like a blocking issue, I think. Like the actors were probably just like too close behind her or she didn't realize she wasn't supposed to close the door. Yeah, she maybe had no idea there was supposed to be extras behind her. And they were like, uh, well, Lord, shut the door. I guess we just go with it and open it. Yeah, we're not going to address it because we're not speaking. It's super funny. It's totally unintentional. Just watch it. I watched it like three times. I love it. I forgot about that on my rewatch. She just closes it. They're right behind her. She, it's like she's saying, fuck you guys. Yeah. So Luke is upset because his meat guy isn't giving him the right meat. And Lorelai's like, oh, well, isn't his like family struggling? They've got like a skin condition. Skin condition. Weird. We just talked about skin conditions in Buffy a couple of times. We're already like 30 seconds in the episode and we have a connection to Buffy. Luke and Lorelai are talking about this when Kirk just like leans over and takes a big old sniff of Lorelai and says <laughs> that she smells like nougat. <laughs> it's so funny. I love Lauren's reaction too. She's like, what the hell? What are you doing? Apparently he's on a juice fast and thinks his senses are like super heightened and powerful now. He also says he wants a healthy glow. Mm-hmm. He wants glow. to glow. Like a couple people were glowing and buffy. Okay. That one is tenuous, but there's just so many of these that we're going to mention them all. But Kirk is also clearly very hungry because he's not eating any solid foods and jealous of all the eating patrons. Lorelai orders food. And he just keeps muttering more details for her food. She's like, I'll take the pancakes. He's like, blueberry, blueberry pancakes. Did you say eating patrons? I did. You just emphasize eating so funny. I'm sorry, everybody. Lorelai mentions that she's going to a journalism panel that Rory is on and Christopher is going to be coming and she wants Luke to know because season five Luke would have lost his shit about this. But season six Luke, new father Luke, totally gets it. He's like, no big deal. Deadbeat dad stepping up. We love that. Yeah. Luke wasn't a deadbeat. but No, he didn't know he was a dad. He would have been super alive beat. Yes. Lane shows Lorelai a poster that she's been working on. She is looking for a new band. She's going to put this poster up at the music shop, and hopefully she'll be able to find someone else to play with because she misses playing. Lorelai and Lane chat for a little bit about April because Lane gets to hang out with April, and she's like, yeah, we play board games. It's fun. And it's clear that Lorelai's got some, like, daughter FOMO here. She's, like, jealous that Lane gets to spend time with April. Yeah, or just, like, I don't know. She keeps trying to, like, compare April to Rory. Like, I also have a daughter that I hang out with. Yeah, but I feel like she gets wistful of, like, hanging out with young Rory. 
Sure. She's also jealous because she clearly wants to be part of this part of Luke's life. But yeah. like, she can't at the moment. I almost just took it like she didn't really know what to say because she feels weird about April. So she's like, yeah, I remember what it's like to hang out with a young girl. I felt that way on my first watch, but rewatching it, considering where we go with the Gigi stuff, I felt like this was her being a little jealous. Hmm. And the scene ends with Kirk sniffing Lorelai again, saying, peach shampoo. (laughs) (laughs) Lane takes her poster to the music store, where Zach is playing banjo with his new band, which is just him and that weirdo tambourine player that we met a couple episodes ago. Uh, This band member's name is Joel. When Lane leaves, Zach runs over to see the poster, and then he tells like a nonplussed Joel to take it. Joel's like, what? He's like, finish the song. And so (laughs) this is so funny. Then Joel just like gets up, panicked and confused and just starts like shaking his tambourine. He's like, well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Come on. uh." Also, like their one audience member is Joel's mom who's falling asleep. Like have like an audience. Yeah. Okay. One of their five audience members. But they're all like sitting cross-legged around like a kumbaya circle. Yeah. But yeah, one of them is like Joel's mom. I looked it up. Joel is not in the bluegrass group when Lane catches Zach playing bluegrass in that episode last season. So he's new in season six. Obviously, Zach is, he has thoughts when he sees that poster. More on that later. At the Yale Daily News, Rory is still running things like a badass boss. She was meant for this job. Mitchum was wrong. Paris is still writing for the paper, which is a little surprising and confusing. I feel like she wouldn't want to be there. People would hate her. Rory gives her some notes, and Paris is taking those notes while refusing to make eye contact, being super passive-aggressive. But she does take the notes, and she's like, fine, I'll, mix, I'll fix it. Then Doyle comes up to Rory and complains that Paris is really on the war path right now. She's very upset since being ousted, and it's been really rough on him. Like, she won't let him sleep. She's, like, watching movies all night. She's making him miserable. Rory pitches the idea of letting Paris turn her current article into a series of articles that would give her something to do and focus on and maybe help her recover from her funk faster. But then Doyle reluctantly suggests, and only after Rory prods him, that she'd kind of be playing favorites with Paris then. He says, like, would you do that for any other writer that was acting the way Paris is? And Rory's like, nah, you're right, I wouldn't. Doyle does some weird stuff later on in the episode that we'll talk about then, but, like, I feel like he's being pretty cool here. He doesn't, like, immediately say, like, don't give it to Paris, but he, like, gives her a real opinion, and it's, like, level-headed and and honest, and and I like that. Yeah. He loves Paris, but he doesn't want her to get special treatment. That afternoon, Rory is preparing for the journalism panel, and Logan is preparing for his sister's wedding rehearsal dinner. They're at Logan's apartment. I just want to point out, Logan's apartment is really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to live there. He's got a great sound system. It's nice. And this is just a really kind of a sweet slice of life. I like seeing them together, and they, they do have some really good chemistry in this scene. They do. And they're just, like, happy. I mean, I bet if Lorelai came over and saw how cool Logan's apartment was, she'd be won over by Logan. She'd be like, yeah, you should just marry this guy. Logan mentions that he's not even at the rehearsal and he's bored already. Just a little bit of a connection, the girl being bored at a wedding. But. Right. Small one. He mentions that he isn't excited to hang out with Honor's moronic bridesmaids. And Rory's like, you love Honor. Her friends can't be that bad. Remember all of this. Then Logan insults them again, calls them Blondie, Tipsy, Bubbles, Four Nose Jobs, Charm McGee, all great gals. Those are their names. Yes. <laughs> That's what they're all credited as. Uh, he doesn't like them. Just remember all that. Logan takes off, but then he remembers that he loves Rory so much he can't just leave. He comes back in, gives her a really big kiss, and says that she looks amazing, incredible. And this is really nice. This kiss seems genuine. It seems like passionate. It seems like he loves her. He just had to come back for her. Yeah, and after he leaves, you can tell she's like, oh, I'm fucking special. Yeah. 
I don't know. That was really cool that he like came back and had to kiss her. Yeah, but as with both shows, Buffy and Gilmore, whenever something is really nice, the writers are going to shit all over that very soon. We don't see any weddings in either of these episodes. (laughs) At the panel, we find out it is made up of editors of prestigious college newspapers. One of the people on the panel, Quentin Walsh from Princeton, is like super full of himself. He like cuts the moderator off like mid-question to respond to it with lots of unnecessary grandiloquence. It's just like, yeah, you could have said this with smaller words for sure. You just want to seem important. He's very pompous. It's Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know that he was famous then, but he's pretty famous now. He and Rory spar verbally at the debate. Like She kind of disagrees with what he says right away. Then we kind of cut to the end of the panel where Rory's finishing up some thoughts and She's clearly the star of the panel, and now Quentin agrees with her, and she makes a joke. Like, you agreed with me? I didn't think that was possible. Crowd fucking loves it. They're like, this is a, we love Rory. Give her a spinoff. <laughs> the moderator looked so familiar to me. I looked him up. He's one of those guys that's in everything, including Buffy. He plays the master. No, <laughs> no he's um Philip, one of the watchers who visits in Checkpoint. Oh. Which is also interesting because Quentin is the name of the main watcher. Yeah, that is interesting. Rebecca. <laughs> Um, this is, side note, I wouldn't hate Quentin and Rory dating. Sure. They had some chemistry, and I kind of like the idea of a guy who's just as smart as her, but, like, maybe she could teach some empathy to, and your guys are probably like, yeah, Logan. Like, yeah, we hear Logan's smart, but, like, Quentin's fucking smart, man. (laughs) I kind of would have liked that. I would have liked to see them be, like, enemies that, like, fall for each other. Logan was an enemy just because he was a jerk, but anyway, all right, I'm shipping them, okay? Maybe he'll come back. I don't know. We'll see. Christopher and Lorelai are super proud of Rory. Yes, Christopher is there, as we knew it was going to happen. I love the top of the scene when Rory checks in with them, and they're like, you're going to do great. If things don't go well, we will stop loving you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Lorelai and Christopher are, like, awkward for, like, a half a second until they compliment each other's looks, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we maybe want to (laughs) fuck. I feel like there's a second of awkwardness, and then they're like, you're looking great. Yeah, you are, too. Well, it's because they break the ice by talking about his expensive, boring haircut. Yeah, he's like, this is the most expensive haircut I've ever had in my life. It's like a buzz cut. I'm <laughs> sorry that someone swindled you, Chris. Like, well, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's short. <laughs> yeah, it, how was that expensive? I could have done his haircut to him. Afterwards, Rory's going to something, so Christopher and Lorelai are just walking down the hall together, and he gets a text from his new nanny who just canceled on him on the day he was going to take his mom to his dad's grave. By the way, he mentions that this is like his fourth nanny in six months. More on that later. He also mentions that he's been having issues getting her into private school. More on that later. Lorelai then offers to babysit sometime. All that daughter talk to Lane at the diner awoke some mothering instincts in her, I guess. It's funny that you read it that way. I mean, I guess that could be true. I just was like, oh, she's helping Christopher out. Yeah, she talks a lot, a while about board games and shit. And then she plays those board games with Gigi. Yeah, or tries to. Yeah. What is happening in this scene? Like, Rory went to Christopher last season and told Christopher not to use her mom for help babysitting or help with Gigi because she'd probably end up leaving Luke for Christopher. Rory, you need to get back here and fix this shit, okay? I'm sorry that I said you were wrong last season. You were probably right. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't know that she's aware. Um, Lorelai told her to stop that. If she were dating Quentin, he would have told her. (laughs) And also, Luke's fine with it. I don't like this. I don't know that Luke knows about the daughter part. I don't like this. It just seems like specifically what started last season that Rory put an end to. 
I don't think this is going to be a thing where she like cheats on Luke for Christopher, but like I could see him like kissing her and then she's like, I can't. And then she tells Luke and Luke's like, what? I trusted you. You kiss him. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm Luke. This is how I talk. (laughs) Having stomach pains. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Brian doesn't like it, guys. Have I made that clear? Anyway, then we cut to Zach at a bot mitzvah. Just like Willow had a decade ago. Yeah, but I mean, they mentioned a bat mitzvah in both episodes. Not crazy, but all the other things stacking on, it's like a, just another connection. This is just the middle of the iceberg. Yeah. Uh, it's a Greece-themed bat mitzvah, by the way, which is like, okay, whatever. In the back of the room? <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. There's like a ton of Greece stuff in the back, and like the parents are dressed up Greece, but like none of the kids are, and like by the stage isn't really great. It's weird. Yeah, it's it like weird. there's two themes at this party. Gil and Brian are playing, and they're playing like an odd censored version of Holler Batgirl. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are just like lightly bobbing as 12-year-olds would dance. It is so funny. And Gil ends by saying, that's the Bat Mitzvah girl's favorite song. And he gets it because the song is full of strong female attitude, which he digs. And guys are turned on by strong female attitude. Don't think they aren't, Bat Mitzvah girl. Guys like legs and brains. What the fuck message is this, Gil? Just a 40-year-old man giving sexy life advice to a tween, baby. It's such a crazy, like, hey, this is about female empowerment, but don't worry, female empowerment will still get you dick. Like, (laughs) what? These girls are babies. I mean, I know, I guess one's technically an adult by Jewish cultural traditions, but. I also love Brian gives Gil the note that he used too much whammy bar during my humps. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. The songs they're playing this child's party. Uh, I love Gil, and it's just every line from Gil is hilarious. Like what, for when real, Zach man. shows up and he says, "You're way deep in my bogus yeah. bag." <laughs> You're way deep in my bogus bag, man, and it's zipped tight. <laughs> it's ziplock shut, dude. It's he's so. I think he's maybe my favorite character. I just almost every line from him is hilarious, and he's just so genuine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Zach is there trying to win them back. He's being super positive about everything. He even goes on to say how great Brian is at Soul Calibur, which is all he had to say. Brian's <laughs> fucking down as soon as he mentions Soul Calibur. I will say that Zach is acting like he's remorseful and what he did was wrong. But he doesn't actually like say, hey guys, I'm sorry. I just like kind of want him to say that. Like, I'm sorry for what happened, guys. Yeah, he says he knows he was an idiot, is like yes. the harshest with himself that he gets. Yeah. Like he he admits he fucked up. Because he, he fucked up really bad. It's not like he fucked up a little bit. He really fucked up. Yeah, because he's like, we were going to perform for a label. And I was like, yeah, but that's like what you messed up. You should like address that specifically. That you, yeah. The reason you don't have a record deal is because of you. And Gil forgives him pretty easily. Yeah, like pr- pretty much right away. He's like, I get what you're saying. All right. Actually, I think I do a decent Gil. You do. You do a very good Gil. Nice. We'll have to pop that blonde wig on you one of these days. <laughs> now the Buffy cut her hair, I give it to you. <laughs> Uh, side note, there's a kid trying to down an entire cup of cherries, and Gil and Brian and Zach are like, he did it, yeah, but like, he does not do it. No, there's so many cherries left. Get back in there, Anton Feldman. <laughs> what did you call him? That's his name. Oh. He he empties like half of the cup, and a lot of them fall on the floor, but he acts like he did it. He didn't do it. Gil and Brian both agree they will return to Hep Alien if Zach can get Lane back, and he's like, I got it. It ends with them playing Hava Nagila, which is funny. Yeah. But a dude comes up to tell Gil that it's time, but you, you can hear him say, excuse me, Gilbert. <laughs> it's funny to hear him call him Gilbert. <laughs> Never thought about the fact that his name was probably Gilbert. 
The next day, Rory joins Logan at the hotel where the wedding is taking place. Josh can't find his cufflinks, and he thinks that someone stole them, just like the writer stole her ideas from Buffy and is reusing them now. Um, are you going to skip the first thing Logan says when they walk into the wedding? Yeah, because night? I missed it. Uh, they get in, and Rory talks about how labyrinthine this hotel is, and Logan makes a joke about a minotaur. What? Like a minister slash doctor minotaur. It's wild that both episodes mention minotaurs. Yeah. Like, it makes sense that Buffy would. And it was a bit of a stretch in Buffy to get where they got. <laughs> they weren't fighting one. Buffy just conjured one out of her words. We have the Minotaur line, which is like, well, that's a weird coincidence. I guess you could have that happen. And then immediately it's, my cufflinks are missing, which was the same at Buffy. It's possible the writer is just like, oh, what's a funny thing that happens to men at weddings? Yeah, I mean, that does seem like something the groom would be struggling with. Right. But, Rebecca. There's just so many. It's not like one or two, like, oh yeah, weddings are kind of like that. It's like, there's like Minotaur, that's very specific. Bat Mitzvah, that's very specific. Also, sorry if you hear the parade of dollies moving something outside of our apartment. It's New York City, guys. It's always a mess outside. There's always a million things happening. It sounds like they're just scraping the concrete. I don't know what they're doing. There's a ladder. Oh, fuck. Is this going to be a ladder day? Honor and her bridesmaids intercept Rory, and she demands Rory hang out with her while they get ready. One of them stole the cufflinks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's a woman that's, like, running this. I kind of love this woman. Her job is to, like, just keep everyone on track. Do weddings really have these people? Like wedding coordinators? Yeah, like a wedding planner. Rich people. Yeah. She's kind of like, I know you guys are going to be crazy, but I'm here to make everyone just make sure this shit happens. And this is all kind of fun. Like all the girls are in like matching but different colored sweatpants and sweatshirts and they all have the hair and curlers and they're all drinking a bunch. And they're having a good time. I kind of like this. This looks fun. There's a reused actress here. Yes. uh, The actress that was in Rory's like coming out debutante ball thing from like season one honestly could be the same character i don't think is it season one or season two i think it might be two yeah but um you know what i mean it's like the same type of character she was drinking in that episode i think yes she was maybe this actress just drinks and like we'll just write that into your character or she was just like good at that type of role it's funny how frequently gilmore reuses actors i did not notice it was her immediately but i was like you look super familiar Yeah, I mean, it was like five years apart and no one would. Right. Well, they're all hanging out and one of them compliments Rory's dress and asks if it's Carolina's. A brand, I assume? Yeah, a designer. Yeah, but I confused Rory's like, no, it's mine. That was funny. (laughs) But it is a great dress. I love the way she looks in this episode. What's funny, though, is that Lorelai makes a lot of her dresses. So she could have been like, no, it's a Lorelai. I do not love these bridesmaids dresses. I feel like the cut is very of the time. Yeah. And the color... They're just like a very simple straight across tube top with like an A-line. But they've got this like white bow that's like part of it that I don't care for. It looks like mm-hmm. too Easter. They convince Honor to have one drink before her, one drink before the <laughs> wedding. Eventually it becomes many drinks. That's sort of a running bit. They're having a great time. Uh, soon Honor is dressed and Rory is one of the girls now. She's joking around with all of them. They then tell her or warn her about all the handsy fake dignitaries that are going to be coming to the wedding and to, that she should watch out for them. They're fake dignitaries? Yeah. They say dignitaries, but they say it like they're not really dignitaries. Mm. I, I don't know if they're dignitaries or not. I don't know why they're coming to the wedding. Well, that's a rich family. I don't know. They could be real. But the point is, there's handsy people at this wedding that Rory needs to be aware of. Much yeah. like there were handsy people at Anya's wedding. 
Yeah. Again, that could be a thing that happens at weddings, so we'll give that one a pass, but it is a connection. But they happen at Rebecca Van Kirshner written weddings, that's for sure. <laughs> that's funny. Honor steps out for some photos, and the girls start gossiping and talking about wanting to hook up at this wedding. Some of the girls don't know that Rory is dating Logan and start mentioning hooking up with Logan in the past. Then one of them quickly points out that Rory is currently dating Logan. And then the other girl apologizes, saying it was meaningless and it was way before they dated. Way, way, way back in Thanksgiving. And then another girl was like, yeah, we just had one stupid one-night stand in December. But it didn't mean anything. One of them's like, a walk girl have sex with anyone. She's like, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reused actor. And then another girl is like, listen, I just fooled around with him, but like it didn't happen because I'm with my boyfriend. She's with somebody else, but it's clear she's saying she cheated on her partner. And the brunette did not hook up with him, but it seems like only because she was not in the country at the time. Yeah. She's like, did you sleep? She's like, no, I was out of the country. (laughs) That girl looks super familiar too. She's definitely been in like multiple episodes of things we've seen. Yeah. um, She was in True Detective. Season two, she's in Mad Men, Children's Hospital. She was in a couple episodes of How I Met Your Mother, so I'm sure we've seen her. By the way, the one girl who cheated on her partner, Liam, with Logan, and it seems like maybe they just, it was a light hookup, maybe not straight sex. It was gay maybe, sex. <laughs> I bet maybe not full sex. She mentions to Rory, don't worry, my partner, Liam, he slept around with like everybody, but now he's totally loyal. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not. What the fuck? <laughs> They all leave Rory sad as fuck alone in this room to digest all this news. We skip their wedding. Rory skips the wedding. Well, yeah, and so do we. And Logan finds Rory still in the bridesmaid's room. She hasn't left. Logan realizes that Rory missed the whole wedding. He's like, what's wrong? What's going on? She's like, well, you know, you fucking cheated on me, so I'm pissed. Also that he didn't, like, warn her that he hooked up with all these people. Right. She's like, you just let me in here. Logan argues that he didn't cheat because they were broken up. And he didn't tell her because he didn't want to hurt her for no reason since the sex was legal, non-cheating sex. And it meant nothing. couple things. One, I totally predicted there was going to be a Ross and Rachel on a break thing here. I you totally did. predicted that. And I assumed it didn't happen then. And it did happen. Did Logan know that she got invited into the room with Honor? I feel like he left to go off with Josh before that happened. She's yeah, like, I think you're right. You let me walk into the room full of people. I mean, she was going to encounter these women, but maybe yeah. he figured she wouldn't encounter them as intimately. Right. And she was like, you poisoned the well on these women. You tried to tell me they were like shitty, and but like you clearly slept with them all. I have a lot of thoughts here. Like, bro, you needed to tell Rory you're not together. You don't get to just be like, we were broken up, I thought. We talked about this a little bit. If you don't talk to someone you're in a relationship for a week, you can't just assume you're broken up. If it's two weeks of not talking, if you've only been dating a little bit, you can assume you're broken up. Yeah. I feel like you and I have been together a long time. We could probably go a month of not talking. We'd still be like, okay, are we broken up? Yeah, we should check in before we hook up with people. Yeah. Like, you've got to check with your partner. Like, okay, let's just say Sarah Michelle Geller shows up one night and says some of her very specific lines of dialogue from Cruel Intentions to me. Like, I want to fuck? <laughs> Uh, I'm sort of, but there's other lines. There's other lines. Um, if she said that to me, I just being honest, I would not be able to sleep with her. Oh. Until I called you to let you know that it is over, uh, because I am gonna be sleeping with Sarah Jagello now. I thought that was gonna be very funny, and it fell flat. I laughed a little bit. There's not like a hundred people here. <laughs> you got a fifty-fifty chance, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. I would not leave you for Sarah Michelle Geller's character from Cruel Intentions. I would just be sad about it for a couple of years. Thank you. (laughs) 
Logan tries to blame the bridesmaids. You know, they're like, they're just trying to stir up trouble. But it's like, yeah, uh, but you did cheat, dude. Like, I don't, they just said what happened. But he's trying to convince her that he doesn't think he cheated. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I, I feel like if you don't check in with the person, you can't assume you're broken up with them. I think we are to believe that he does not think he cheated. I agree. I don't think this is him trying to be manipulative or lying or gaslight. Because he like admits he had sex with them. He's like, I did. We were broken up, though. So then it's like a debate of if they were taking some time apart versus broken up. I think that Logan's never been in a relationship and doesn't know the protocol for breaking up with someone. Sure. Yeah. He's just like, oh, we weren't talking. I ghosted her. We were done. He also says he was like depressed and lonely and the sex meant nothing. I agree. One should check with someone that they're broken up before they sleep with someone. I think the length of their relationship warranted that. But I do believe that he didn't think he was cheating. I think because she told him that she loved him, he needed to be like, hey, it's over. Mm, Yeah. I guess it's like she loves me. That's not something that goes away in two weeks. But it's also complicated because like he tried to he was trying to win her back. And, you know, you probably don't want to mention, by the way, I was sleeping with a bunch of ladies. I want you back. So I get why he didn't mention it at first, but he should mention it at some point. Yeah, we talked about that a bit, too, because like I think this is still very recent that they've gotten together. But but it was like Valentine's Day. Like maybe he would have told her eventually that he had sex with some people while they were apart. Uh, Maybe not. He says he didn't want to hurt her. Yeah, because I also am like he. Why would he, like, go through all that to get her back? He could be with anybody. Yeah. He does love her. He wants to be with her. He's not a commitment guy, and he wants to commit to her. If he wanted to sleep around, he would just sleep around. Like, I don't think he's lying about how he feels about her. Yeah. Well, Rory's like, okay, I'm moving out. In um, not-so-depressing news, Zach finds Lane at Luke's. She doesn't want to talk to him at all, and she's like, go away. We're out of food. Where a starving juice diet cheating Kirk yells, what? (laughs) (laughs) The scene opens with him eating toast scraps off of someone's plate. He's like, I've expanded the definition of juice. (laughs) It's so funny how like, what? Zach tells Lane that he just doesn't feel good. He's like, I wake up. I feel bad. I go to work. I feel bad. He goes to work. That's good. We were not sure he'd had a job before. Yeah. The whole diner is listening to this. It's one of those scenes where like all the stars hollow is like, ooh. I'm here for the drama. Yeah, it's bad. Babette is there, and she's like, we get it. You feel bad. <laughs> but she's also encouraging all this. Luke comes down, and he's like, what's going on? And Lane just shushes him. Like, shh. He's like, oh, okay, oh, sure. What? And then Zach asks Lane to marry him, and Lane accepts. And she is deliriously happy. She's so happy. The crowd cheers. She's, like, in a state of, like, happy shock. It's all so funny. She goes behind the counter. There's, like, a little sweet scene where she's like, I'm getting married. And Luke's like, I heard. But then she just, like, deliriously starts handing food to whoever. She, like, gives a pie to Kirk, who greedily (laughs) accepts it. He's just going to eat it because he's so hungry. And then Luke grabs it and gives it to the right person. But then Lane just, like, grabs a toaster and, like, gives it to Kirk with a big smile on her face. And Luke just, you know, dutifully grabs the toaster and puts it back. It's all very funny. Then she starts carrying a plate around. She doesn't really know where it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Luke's, like, steering her right. Um, I have feelings about all this. Specifically, like, Lane, you could do so much better than Zach. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, they just kind of stuck her with someone, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know that Zach has, like, redeemed himself. He just shows up, he's like, uh, I don't feel good, so, like, you should marry me. Yeah, I mean, you were like, I'm sure they're gonna, and I was like, maybe, but there's not a lot of time before when this happens, so I don't know. He hasn't, like, really apologized. Not really. Not to Lane. Yeah, 
he should be like before you're like get married it's supposed to be sweet but it's, he should be like hey man i really fucked up and i acknowledge that and it's not going to happen again in the future not like that anyway and i'm sorry will you marry me but it's just like this will solve everything because we can bang he didn't say that but that's it was if you guys ship them cool i don't like them as a couple i don't like zach the ring that he has given her is from a pawn shop he says it belonged to an elk or a moose we don't really see it, so I don't really know for sure what the joke is, but I wonder if he means it like belongs to like an elk club member. Right. Which, which is why I put that itty bitty pin in the bison. Yeah, take that pin out. Very small. Like that could be what that means. Otherwise, it means it's a huge ring, I guess. Yeah, it's unclear. But seems like another connection to Buffy if it is from like an elk lodge since that's where the wedding was held. Yeah, like it, it belongs to like a man who belonged to one of those clubs or something. Right. Meanwhile, Chris dropped Gigi at Lorelai's. Gigi is a fucking monster, man. Uh, yeah. When Chris introduces her and asks if she wants to give Lorelai a hug, Gigi just straight up screams no in her face and runs off. She's just a monster. She, like, draws on the floor with permanent marker. She refuses to talk to Lorelai while she's watching TV. She immediately turns on the TV and sits down, and Lorelai asks what she's watching, and Gigi just screams, shh. So funny. Lorelai's response is, Schindler's List? <laughs> so funny she's got like three really good comebacks this episode it's especially funny because Gigi doesn't get the joke i love it later Gigi just full blast screams in lorelei's face and lorelei just says like oh you're doing a great donald sutherland invasion of the body snatchers impression again also super funny it's a deep cut reference i definitely get me too i get that one guys Gigi then runs into rory's room to angrily pout for no reason Chris eventually comes back to pick up Gigi and Lorelai has to tell him the tough news that she's a spoiled little hellion that needs some actual discipline. Chris is like, oh, you guys didn't click. It's no big deal. Whatever, you know. And Lorelai's like, nah, she's the worst and you got to be harder on her. It seems to me like you're trying to make up for the fact that her mom left by giving her everything she wants and that's creating a bad person. Chris does not take this super well and grabs Gigi and says that he won't be needing any of Lorelai's help anymore or her advice and then storms off. Later, though, he calls Lorelai to apologize. See, Chris fucking gets it. You call, you apologize, you say you're sorry, and admits that she was right about everything. The reason that Gigi's not getting into these private schools is because of her behavior issues. Before, it was like, oh, it's paperwork, it's complicated, and it's like, nah, they all say that she's, like, uh, the worst. Yeah. And he just can't say no to Gigi. And he kind of hates himself right now for leaving Lorelai with Rory now that he sees how hard it is and how angry he is at Sherry for doing that same thing to him. I'm mad the show never dives into what exactly happened. With Sherry? With Christopher. Oh, yeah. Like, they say he left Rory, but, like, did he? It seems like Lorelai moved away. Like, what was Christopher doing that first year? Was right. he like, I don't want anything to do with this? Did he just, like, not really come around? Yeah, he tried to marry her, right? He would have. The parents wanted them to get married, and I think he would have, but she didn't want that. So she just, mm -hmm. like, ran away to Stars Hollow. Now, maybe he should have, like, tried to get a job and been actively supporting Rory and, like, didn't, but they never really tell us. They're just always, like, implying that he wasn't great. He right. doesn't really come around. But, like, what was he doing? Right. I don't know. But it seems like Lorelai was, like, prideful and wanted to do it on her own as well and, like, wasn't looping him in. Yeah, I mean, the show has set up that he was deadbeat in the sense that he would promise things and then not deliver on them. So just FYI, he's not a saint by any means. Yeah, I mean, I think he was just trying to figure his life out. Yeah. Was, you know, he too was like, you know, younger than us by the time Rory was graduating high school. Yeah. Rory is not taking things very well and is drunk, super drunk at her favorite bar. The bartender tries to cut her off and she isn't having it. She's, She's just only like had three. <laughs> that doesn't seem like enough to cut her off. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, she seems very drunk. Yeah. She seems to also be just like slamming these drinks. But she's all like explaining that she's walking home. She can have a drink if she wants. And he's like, all right. And then she's just like mean to the bartender the rest of the night and like suspicious of him. Then Nassim Padrad shows up as a waitress and tries to throw away Rory's old used up napkins. But Rory ain't having any of that either. She's all like, don't take what's mine. (laughs) The bartender tells her to eat something. She's like, you eat something. Rory's maybe got some misplaced anger here. I don't know. I like drunk Rory here. Oh, I love drunk Rory. She's so funny because she's usually so nice. She's just so mean and suspicious of everybody. They didn't do much with drunk Rory in the diorama episode, but this one, she really got to shine, and I think she's good at it. Yeah. Nassim is like, yeah, whatever, and just leaves the scene, only to come back a year later and portray another waitress in the sitcom The Winner. (laughs) I just looked at her IMDb, and it was like, waitress, the next thing, waitress. Yeah, this was maybe her first thing or something. Yeah, it is. On IMDb anyway, or Wikipedia. It's really fun to see all these, like, actors that have small bit parts or walk-on roles who later became huge. I hope that the listeners can hear these full conversations that we're just talking through. Yeah, they're just, like, straight up having the, like, how far away are they from each other? They're just so loud. So loud. What what is happening out there? Somebody doesn't rent. Bye. 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 And even more drunk, Doyle, comes up and sits next to her at the bar, and they commiserate for a little bit. Paris just threw him out after he admitted to her that he told Rory not to give her story a special series in the paper. Rory tells Doyle that she's got to move out also because Logan had many, many blondes for Thanksgiving. Funny line. I love when he asks her how her night has been. She's like, really excellent. <laughs> yeah, and he's all like, to excellent nights. He does not get that it's sarcastic, I think. It's a really excellent evening. I'm always being so sarcastic. Rory thinks Paris and Doyle are perfect for each other, and then they'll get back together. They'll make it work. There's also a line where Doyle says he would have bought a car for that woman. Yeah. The captions say he went and bought a car for that woman. I'm like, who who did that and thought that was what he would have said? Some of the captions are weird. Like when Lane asks Rory if she had sex facing Dean yeah. in the captions. Was he faced to you? Because yeah. like Rory then says, me too. So we're to believe that Rory also bought a car for Paris yeah, that night? Paris has so many cars, man. <laughs> This whole scene, I can't stress enough, it's really funny and cute. Rory finishes her drink and says, oh, empty, sad, like a little Trump tweet. (laughs) She says it like in a little southern accent. She's like, sad. (laughs) (laughs) The two go outside to go home. Rory is helping Doyle because he can barely stand. She gets him outside. There's also a very funny scene where outside Doyle's like, I'm so cold. And so she gives him her jacket. She's wearing so much less than Doyle. And Doyle so greedily takes this jacket. <laughs> he whines like such a little bitch about the cold. He's like, this is lovely. It's such a feminine long coat. Yeah. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> Before we go any further, there's some weird things that happen with Rory and Doyle. The first one, when they're in the bar, they're going to buy another drink. And Doyle says he has some money somewhere in his pants. But he's too drunk to find it. So he'll just stand still and suggest Rory look for it. I legitimately cannot tell if he's supposed to be just, like, so super drunk that, like, this doesn't seem weird or inappropriate to him. Like, he's like, yeah, I just, like, can't even use my hands. Or if he's, like, trying to imply that he wants Rory to touch his junk. It seems like it's the former. Like, he's just so drunk and disoriented that he doesn't realize how inappropriate this is. Because that's sort of how Rory treats it. She doesn't treat it like, oh, you're being gross, like Xander. Yep, guys, Brian was so nervous about how the scene was going to go. He really thought Doyle and Rory were going to hook up. Yeah, I did. I was like, I, I've forgotten that completely if that happens. I highly doubt that happens. 
So that that first line is weird, and in a vacuum, it's like, oh, he was probably just super drunk because that's how Rory's treating it, so that's what the writers are trying to tell us. But then when they're outside, they hug each other goodbye, and Doyle, like, starts to, like, French kiss her neck <laughs> with his tongue. Just like Spike's tongue. Yeah. Th- that's a loose one, but they did both mention tongue. It's a loose tongue. Yeah, she says there was definitely nuzzling, and you used your tongue. Girl, what? She was, like, in her hair. What is he doing? Yeah. They pull away and he's all like, oh, did I? I did. I'm so sorry. He's like regretful of this. And he's like, I'm just so lonely for Paris. I miss her so much. And he is very drunk. And again, if this was by itself, it'd be like, okay, he's just like so drunk and confused and sad and lonely. But like the two things together, I'm like, is Doyle a bad dude? I thought this episode started with showing us that he's a cool dude. But like this is making me feel like he's kind of gross. I I don't know how how we're supposed to feel. I think we're supposed to feel he's just lonely, but it's just in combination it was gross. I think they set him up to be sort of like pathetic and he's drunk and he's just like making weird mistakes and choices. Because you got to remember, Rebecca Van Kirshner is familiar with the character of Jonathan as well. You know, he's not in this episode, you know, so maybe there's like some overlap there that he's just like confused about how to be around girls. Right. The character of Doyle is like so much more confident than Jonathan, though. Yeah, Doyle is like pompous and judgy, but I didn't really think he was a bad dude. Yeah, I think that this is all meant to be drunk comedy. I, I don't think that they were setting him up to be a creep, but that's interesting that you took it that way because I, I could see a first time viewer feeling that way. Totally. Yeah. Again, if either one of these things were alone, the kissing or the pants thing, it would be like whatever. But together so quickly, it was like, what's happening right now? Anyway, Rory goes to Paris's apartment, who reluctantly lets her in. Paris thinks Rory's there because she heard that she and Doyle broke up. And Rory's like, yeah, 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 that's true. But also I broke up with Logan. Paris hugs Rory, telling her that she's a great friend. She can't believe she came here even after Paris kicked her out and was mean to her. Then the two commiserate over how much men suck. And Paris offers to let her stay in the apartment. Rory calls her mom and lets her know that she's got a new address for her. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, Stacey, was this a good episode? Um, Yeah, I like this episode. Yeah. Zach and Lane getting married is crazy. Like, so much more should happen between why they broke up and them getting married. Yeah. People get married so fast in the show. Like, Max Medina proposed way too early. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't make sense that they get married so quickly. But I thought the scenes with Rory and Logan, say what you will about Logan and whether or not he cheated, I thought they were well acted and that Mm -hmm. drama was really excellent. The Gigi stuff was a little annoying. But again, I like Christopher and Lorelai's chemistry. Like, I really liked the phone call with him apologizing. Get the fuck out of the show, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. I just think some stuff that happened wasn't maybe what you want to see happen. Mm-hmm. But with the exception of Lane and Zach getting married, I don't know that I thought it was bad writing. Yeah. Or the wrong choice for the show to make. And I enjoyed the performances and there was a lot of funny jokes. I thought Rory was really good in this episode. Yeah, this was a very funny, funny episode. Do you liked it too? Or did you? I did. I thought that was a good episode. And I think I disagree with all your points. And I think I agree with all your points here. (laughs) I liked it, but I disagree with everything you said. I I tried to. I I liked it. And I agree with your points, I think. Very funny episode. Some very funny, quick lines. I really liked Logan and Rory together. It was like a genuine slice of life moment that just like felt good. Like, yeah, I like seeing my characters happy and like together with people that they have chemistry with. And I think Chris coming back is going to be, I feel like this is like a, a plot thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be totally fine. But like the whole Gigi thing, specifically because of what happened with Rory, I'm worried this is going to be a storyline. You think Lorelai is trying to like claim Gigi? That's your prediction? Like she misses having a daughter, so she's going to be drawn to Chris? No, I think Christopher 
is well think about this luke is refusing to let lorelei be part of his daughter life mm-hmm. christopher's like please be part of my daughter life it's like a connection thing but also this is like i said this is the stuff that it's just a way for christopher to get back in her life i don't know that christopher i don't think that christopher is doing this intentionally to weasel his way in but i think the writers are sure Anyway, I do think it was a great episode. So funny. So many times. Don't like the Zach stuff, but whatever. I guess that's who Lane's going to be with. The fucking bot mitzvah was so funny. Mm. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That was such a good, such a fun choice. Good job, Rebecca. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and ask. Which episode do you think was better, Brian? Gilmore Girls, for sure. I, I agree. She's on a hot streak, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, they've won the last couple, and and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I feel like season six has a big old dip in the middle, which is where we're in right now. Of Buffy. Yeah, and I'm going to warn everyone beforehand, I'm going to have issues with the next episode. And honestly, if you're a Buffy fan, you should have issues with the next episode. You should. We'll talk about it at that time. Don't get mad at us, guys. We'll get out of the dip. Brian will love Buffy again. Oh, my God. The, the last couple episodes, I'm going to be talking about how much I love them. Okay, well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 17, I'm Okay, You're Okay. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 17, Normal Again. Similar titles? In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. What do you think of Xander leaving Anya? Is he just evil? Is it a huge mistake? Is he making the right move? How do you feel about it? Should Logan have told her? Were they broken up? How do you feel about the fact that Anya doesn't seem to have any remorse for, like, all of the lives she's ruined? Are there any Zack and Lane shippers out there? If so, Yeah, what's your justification why? for that? Yeah. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer. We post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of the episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we'll give you a shout-out at the top of the next podcast. I gotta go. There's some old man here says he's from the future. I don't, he wants to talk about something. I gotta go. Is it the guy that's yelling outside? Yeah. It's weird. He's doing Sarah Michelle Gellar's dialogue from Cruel Intentions. Oh. I have to go check it out. Weird. Bye.